0: An everlasting love. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, the one thing that will never fail is love. Amen. Love never fails. Amen. And God's here to, to love us today. Amen. Thankful for His love. Thankful for the church, those who are sensitive to minister to one another. Amen. God used you today to strengthen each other. Amen. It's a beautiful thing when the body ministers to itself. Amen. It's really good to have everyone here today. And uh, especially glad to have my friends Jim and Rita Smith. Amen. They're here with us today. We got to play together for a golf thing the other day and uh, came in first place. I I got two really good partners and they helped helped us win so uh, they're both really good golfers so they're already number one in my book and uh, amen so we're we're going to turn to the word of the Lord now so thankful again for what we feel here today the sweet presence of the Lord that's here and to thank you for again just being sensitive to his spirit as a church we plan and we organize and we want to have a structure but we always want to let god intervene and change things if he wants to amen oh sure um you want to present it to christy we have a little gift here can we still sign it later if some people want to sign it okay all right do you want to say anything or okay
1: this is from the church for christy it's a little gift I know we have another one. And um, just want to thank you, Christy. I knew Christy when she was just a little girl. But now she's a grown little young woman going to Texas. I don't know why anyone would want to go to Texas. <laughs> so hot and humid, because I know, because I'm from there. But God has a journey, good you know, opening, a new journey for you, Christy, and believing and praying that God will be with you. And this is just a little token from us. And I know there's another, another thing coming up. Norma has something else for you. Okay, is this it? Okay, and this is also for you. Okay, just we'll be thinking about you. Hope you think of us. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be, I know you'll probably be going to the beach a lot. So that's good, <laughs> getting in the beach, not like here, uh, but. <laughs> So it was good to see your mom also here. So praise the Lord. Thank you, Christy.
0: And the water is actually warm at the beach there, which is, as we know, not the same as here. It's cold no matter what. Watch out for stingrays. A little more exotic wildlife there. Amen. We can dismiss the Sunday school children at this time, and thankful for our teachers. And uh, again, just pray for my family if you think of it with the sickness. And I know there's other families that are dealing with it. It's that time of year, and the weather's changing, and people are getting back to school and passing around diseases. <laughs> so, amen. We're going to look at Matthew 19:26 today, and just spend a few minutes examining the Word of the Lord. Matthew 19:26 says but Jesus beheld them and said unto them with men this is impossible but with God how many things all, all things are possible and uh, the greek word for all there guess what it means all it's deep all things Amen. So, if you whatever you want to put in there that disqualifies that, you have to back up and say, whoops, all things. All things. Amen. A lot of things are impossible with us, right? But with God, all things are possible. Amen. He's an amazing God. And so, we need sometimes to simply raise our expectations. Amen. We're uh, going through a series of abounding in hope and again give credit to ray johnson his book the hope quotient Uh, pulling a lot of material from that but we want to talk about raising our expectation today and uh, keeping it up there where god can bless us lord jesus we're thankful for this time we've had in your presence already thank you for the opportunity to celebrate uh, christy today and all that she's done in the past few years here with our church lord we want to send her off with blessing and we know that there are great things in store for her. And also for the rest of us that have come today to be in your presence. To worship you. There's a lot of other places we could be today. But we've, here, we've come here in your presence. And I know you don't, you don't ignore that. You don't take that lightly. But you are going to bless everyone who's here today. As we call upon your name. And help us to raise our expectation of what we can have out of this life through your power and through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can be seated if you would like, and if you're not already, amen. Thank you for standing out of reverence for the word of the Lord, amen. Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Right? You go into a situation. I know this is going to happen. And then it happens. I know this is not going to happen. You know what? It's probably not going to happen. Because you don't expect it to happen. An unknown, anonymous author, like there's so many quotes on the internet, written by unknown, unknown, Where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. Where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. She was not well known. The Bible doesn't even record her name. She was probably horribly thin and emaciated, nearly wasted away to the point of mere skin and bones, face drawn in, trembling in weakness with every movement. She had spent the last 12 years seeking a physician for her ongoing hemorrhage of blood, but not only did she spend all the money she had and not get better, but she actually grew worse. 12 years, everything she had, and she has grown worse. For the first time in a long time, though, a glimmer of hope flooded her soul when she found out that Jesus was passing by. Jesus, the one who could heal the sick. Finally, there was hope for this poor lady. The more she thought about the miraculous healing power of the Lord, the more she began to press through the crowd her body hurt her body ached people were not very happy that she was pushing but she did not care she had one goal if I can just touch the hem of his garment I can be healed she thought she expected to be healed the moment she touched Jesus and as a result of that faith She pressed through the crowd and she got to the point where she was just able to touch the very hem of his garment. And the Bible says that immediately Jesus felt power flow from him. There was a lot of people pressing in all around him, but at that moment he knew something had transpired in the spirit because he felt power move from him to somebody the Bible says immediately, in that moment, the issue of blood that had afflicted her for 12 years instantly dried up. Luke 8, 46-48 in the Amplified says that Jesus said, Someone did touch me because I was aware that power to heal had gone out of me. When the woman saw... That she had not escaped notice, she came up trembling and fell down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. He said to her daughter, Your faith, your personal trust, and confidence in me has made you well. Go in peace. No longer troubled, no longer disturbed, but in well-being. The Spirit of God inside of the man Christ Jesus had to respond to her faith. She didn't deserve what she got. In fact, she deserved to be in trouble because she was legally unclean and she couldn't even mingle with people without making them aware that she was near. But God doesn't give us what we deserve, thankfully. But she got what she expected. She didn't get what she deserved, but she got what she expected. Amen? We have to be careful what we come to God expecting. If we come to prayer expecting to say a few words and everything remains the same, that's just what's going to happen. If you step up to the T, expect to hit it out of bounds, you're probably going to hit it out of bounds. I hope I don't hit this in the water. Famous last words. Sploosh. Because what we expect has a way of happening. And it's beyond our human ability what I'm considering today, and that's God's ability to bless us. And in order for Him to bless us, we have to expect His blessings. That's faith. What's shaping our expectations? Are we allowing fear, unbelief, doubt, human reasoning, or the things that are like those to shape our expectation? That's what the children of Israel did in Psalm 78. The psalmist recalls of their time of wandering in circles in the wilderness, unable to go into the promised land. It says in verse 17, they sinned more against Him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they, dis- they spake against God. Here's words of unbelief and doubt. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? It's a rhetorical question. They didn't believe He could. Behold, He smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can He give bread also? Can He provide flesh for His people? Therefore the Lord heard this and He was wroth or He was angry. So a fire was kindled against the children of Israel against Jacob. And anger also came up against Israel because they believed not in God and trusted not in His salvation. We're always conscious of making God angry and we should be. But one of the ways to make God angry is don't believe He can do what He said He can do. Believe that our problem is bigger than His ability. In verse 40, skipping down, says, How oft did they provoke Him in the wilderness and grieve Him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not His hand nor the day when He delivered them from the enemy. They forgot about the deliverance and they only expected to die. And it says through this, they limited the Holy One of Israel. And this word limited means to set a mark. They believed God could do things to a certain point, but they drew a line and said He can do it up to here, but not beyond here. Sometimes we make more than one mark, we make a rectangular mark called a box. And we put God inside of it. (laughs) And we limit Him because we say God can do everything within this box. And we have boundaries for God. But the only boundaries that God honors are His own. God will not cross His boundaries of morality, but beyond That He will do anything He desires. God can do anything. In Matthew 13, we see that there were people that limited God when He came in the flesh. God wasn't just this idea and this spirit who manifests every once in a while, but as Jesus, He was standing before them. And yet, in Matthew 13, 54, it says he returned to Nazareth, his hometown, when he taught there in the synagogue. Everyone was amazed and said, Where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son line. If I need a table, I go to Jesus. If I need my chair fixed, I can go to Jesus. He's a carpenter's son. And we know Mary. She just married. The lady who got pregnant before she was even married. Mary. We know his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Nothing special about them. And all of his sisters live right here among us. Have you seen them do anything? Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in Him. They were offended. They were so full of unbelief. Then Jesus told them a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. People in his hometown put him in a box. They became too familiar with Jesus. And even as the church, we can sometimes live for Jesus for so long that we begin to limit him according to our past understanding of what he's done before. Jesus hadn't done a lot of miracles up to this point. And so they limited him because of his past performance. Don't limit God for, by what you've experienced so far. Believe for more. Believe for greater. Believe for higher things in God. Well, I prayed before and it didn't happen. Pray again. And believe again. We need to take limits off of God. God. Remove human understanding from the equation and say, what does the Bible say God can and will do? That's where my expectation is going to be. Johnston, in this book we're referencing, lists five things for raising our expectation. Number one, believe impossible things are possible. Simply that. Impossible things are possible. Four of the worst words you can use is Things will never change Things will never change I will remain this way My life will be this way It will never be different You're limiting God And you're limiting yourself Four men had a friend who was lame And they came to church one day And the church was full most people would have either stayed outside or went home. Guess I'll come back on another day. Church is full. They got on the roof. Can you imagine if we're in here and you hear noise? Someone starts a chainsaw. Someone up on the roof is, and we see the saw knifing through the ceiling. where's your decorum people this is church you're being a little noisy for church you're interrupting church can you imagine and then they just start lowering someone from the top and they lower him down right in front can you pray for him that's what they did they, they got a hole in the roof and they let this man down right at the feet of Jesus That takes great faith and expectation. And Mark 9.23 says, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. But it's conditional. If you can believe, all things are possible. Matthew 17.20 says, records the words of Jesus where he says, For verily I say unto you, if you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now one thing about this that brings me great hope is that the faith of a mustard seed starts out very, very small. Right? But I don't believe this verse is saying the faith of a mustard seed stays that small. But when it's planted in the ground, this very, very small seed becomes a tree. And it flourishes and it flowers. And that's what he's speaking of is our faith that grows in him. We can start out with the smallest amount of faith and as we submit ourselves to God, as we bury ourselves in His Word, as we bury ourselves in prayer, our faith will grow. It won't stay the same. Whatever faith you have now, if you're not satisfied, be joyful because it doesn't stay that way. If you will tend the ground. If you will seek God. If you will do your part To surrender to Him, your faith will grow. I don't know any great person of God, man or woman, who started out with the level of faith they had when they were operating later in life. Their faith started small. And over time, God molded them and shaped them. And it grew to the point where they started believing Him for things that were impossible. God always answers our prayers. Sometimes He says yes. Sometimes He says no. And sometimes He says not yet. But He always answers. We can pray in faith knowing He will answer. And if it seems impossible, pray about it. If it's God's will, He will make a way. But we can't pray with unbelief. We have to pray, believing. Amen. Number two, I'll move a little quicker here, but it says, believe that God has better days ahead. Can you believe today that tomorrow is going to be better than today? Five years from now is better than today? Ten years from now is better than today? Because in God... His grace improves our life. Though the outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed day by day. If we submit ourselves to His Spirit, if we submit ourselves to His Word, He will transform us, and He will renew us, and He will strengthen us. We may not have more money, more wealth, more power, more good looks, more muscles. All those things may deteriorate. But in Christ, we can have a better quality of life through more love, more joy, more peace, more contentment, more faith. As we walk with Him, we become more separated from the things of sin that drag us down. This side of heaven, we don't get full full release of that temptation and those things, but we can get further away as we press into the Lord. Well, I'm struggling with things really bad right now Well Just pray And wake up tomorrow and say it's a new day God's mercies are new today I know it's going to be better in jesus name I know i'm going to do better through the power of god's spirit It's not just positive thinking. It's not thinking yourself happy It's believing that god can do it Believing it'll be better because I will surrender myself to him Number three, we have to realize there's power in perspective. You may have heard this letter read before, but a young college student wrote to her parents during her sophomore year. She said, Dear mom and dad, and all the parents will cringe as you hear this letter. I know this is really going to be disappointing to you, but I met a guy. He's 15 years older than me. We're in love, we just eloped. I'm two months pregnant. I'm dropping out of school and I will contact you at some point in the future. I'm really sorry. Your daughter. P.S. None of those things are true, but I did flunk one of my classes and I need $200. Please keep this in perspective. In other words, it could be a lot worse. So, I flunked the class, I need some money, but hey, it's not that bad. I could have done all those things I said before. Perspective is powerful. Sometimes we don't need our circumstances to change, we just need to change our perspective. The twelve spies had the same perspective. Perspective. Or the same viewpoint. But when they went into the land, there was a shift. They all knew the promises of God. They all knew the promises that He had granted unto them. His mighty hand had delivered them from previous things. They were given these identical circumstances. But when they began to spy out the land, ten of them began to view things through the lenses of fear, unbelief, and human reasoning. 10 of these spies began to look at the same things that the other two were seeing in a negative way. And they brought back an evil report and said, we can't do this. But two of the spies with the same circumstances seeing the same things came back and said, we can do this today if we want to. We are well able to do this. There is nothing preventing us from taking the land. So the difference between the ten and the two was simply their choice of perspective. What they expected to happen. The way they viewed their circumstances. Nehemiah asked, how is Jerusalem? They answered him and said, things are not going well. There's great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. For 92 years, they had not seen an improvement in Jerusalem. For 92 years, people kept on living in the same circumstances, not doing anything to change the city. But Nehemiah came with a different perspective. And what did not change for 92 days, or for 92 years, rather, Nehemiah changed in 52 days. They couldn't change anything for 92 years. And Nehemiah came and accomplished it in 52 days. What is the difference? Perspective. Nehemiah said, God can do this. God can do this. Number four, replace fear with faith. We talk about this a lot because fear is a big deal, right? We all deal with measures of fear. Fear is a dark room where negatives are developed. We need to get out of that dark room. We need to walk in faith. In the case with Goliath, Israel allowed four destructive steps. Fear to keep them quivering on the sidelines while daily this giant came and hurled insults at the people of God. They did nothing. They were paralyzed because they focused only on the problem. Number one. If you can get the acronym for fear up there. Hunter, it should be in there. They focused only on the problem. Thank you. They expected to be defeated. You can look these up in the verses later. I'll give them to you if you want. How are you going to win when you expect to be defeated? They had an attitude of self-protection. They were more concerned about themselves than the kingdom of God. And they ran from the problem. How many know you don't get anywhere running from the problem? We all have tried that and it fails. Conversely, David chose faith. He focused on God. Again, same giant, same circumstances, but he didn't focus on the size of the giant. He focused on the size and the ability of God. He anticipated God's help. He knew if I step out in faith, God will help me. He's helped me before with a lion and a bear, and he'll help me with this giant of a man. He insisted on being involved. He said, Lord, if you're looking for someone, here I am. I don't want to stand around on the sidelines. Use me. He took time to prepare. It wasn't the first time he hurled a stone from that sling. He had practiced in quiet times, he had practiced in insignificant times when he was just out there watching the sheep. Nothing exciting going on, but David said, I might need to use this someday. And he was practicing. You may not have something exciting happen every day, but as you pray and as you read the Bible and as you get closer to God, you're preparing for something greater. You're preparing for the miraculous. And finally, H, his faith had an impact on everyone around him. After David slew Goliath, they had all the faith in the world. <laughs> They took off running in the direction of the enemy. we got to choose faith over fear. It's a matter of choice. Finally, in conclusion today, we have to learn to change our what-ifs to why not. Too often, what if this? What if that would have happened? You've got to stop asking what if and start asking why not. A friend of Ray Johnston's was, is named Roger Crawford. He was born with shortened limbs, as you can see here. he had two misshapen hands that protrude from his forearms that are shortened with two fingers on one and one finger on the other for a total of three fingers needless to say he encountered some challenges in life but Roger learned to quit asking what if I had two hands that were like everybody else what if I was born normal And what's the definition of normal? Anyways. We're all abnormal, right? (laughs) But what if I was born normal? He could have asked these questions all day and never accomplished anything. But he decided to take up tennis. And not only did he play tennis, but he learned to play it very well. He competed at a... Division One level, and he became part of the Hall of Fame of Division One athletes. He learned to excel at a game that you would think would be impossible for his situation. As a result of his accomplishments and his attitude, Crawford speaks to audiences all over the world about overcoming doubt. He encourages people to lay aside pessimism of I can't and embrace the unstoppable power of I can. Crawford was asked to tour Walter Reed Memorial Hospital and encouraged soldiers who had lost limbs in the line of duty. And he noted how as he walked through there, the mood was very somber in the rooms of these soldiers. Most of these soldiers, understandably so, were not... In a good mood. They had just lost their limbs in the line of duty. They were grief laden. And the normally optimistic Crawford was feeling depressed. Until he walked into a room where a young man lay flat on his back unable to move. And Crawford began talking to the smiling young man who he found out was a Christian. And the young man said, hey, you don't have normal arms either. How can I pray for you? Crawford was blown away. Here's this soldier laying here, can't even move. And he's asking, how can I pray for you? He said what's your secret if you don't mind me asking he said everyone else here is depressed but you seem to have hope the young soldier simply said i'm flat on my back the only thing to do is look up that's all i can do things are looking up can't do nothing else just look up and perhaps God has led us to situations in our life at times and this statement that comes out of our mouth always amazes me I guess all we can do is just pray there's nothing else left all we can do is the most powerful thing in all the world. Could just pray. Like, that is the bad thing. Right? Like, that's, it's our last resort, last ditch effort. I can't do it in my flesh anymore. I've tried everything I can do, and I can't get it done, so all I can do is pray. Did you ever think maybe that's a blessing? Because if we go through life and we can do everything on our own, we're not going to need Jesus. And knowing our human nature, we're not going to ask. We only ask when we're desperately in need of help. (laughs) Right? Everything's going good. We don't ask for help. You say, I got this. And even when we need help, (laughs) I got this. So God may have brought you to a situation in your life maybe even today where there's nothing left to do but ask Jesus for help and I would submit to you you are blessed you are blessed because that is what we should do first anyways Paul said he glory in his infirmities He rejoiced in his weakness. Why? Because he found out when he was weak, God's strength was perfected in his weakness. It's a matter of perspective. If you would like to stand today, We always like to just give a little bit of time following the message to respond to what we've heard. Because if sometimes we hear the word and we rush away. The Bible says that the enemy comes and steals the seed. We get out there and we're thinking about all the troubles of life and we check Facebook and then everything goes out the window. What happened? They did what? The sermon is gone. <laughs> so what we do after a sermon is we just take a couple minutes and pray. And you want to pray where you're at? You can pray where you're at. You can come forward, wherever, however you want to do it. But we just want to respond to what we've heard today. We want to say yes to whatever the Lord has been speaking to us. Because as I've been speaking, I believe God's been speaking to some of you his spirit has been speaking to your heart, to your mind. And even if the awesome thing about God is even if he's challenging you to do something different, it's love. He's only doing that because he has better. So don't walk away today and say, oh, I'm not good enough. I just haven't been expecting enough. I should just give up. That's not what the purpose of this message is today. It's to say, I can do better with God's help I can do better I can see more this is not a self-help message this is believing God for more trusting him for more believing him for what he said he will do amen amen so we're just going to begin to pray and Chrissy's going to sing and we'll have some dinner in a few minutes if you'd like to join us And if you like to be dismissed, we're glad you visit us today. We love you. But we just want to take a couple minutes and just say, Lord, help me be what you want me to be. Lord, I want to believe you for greater than I've ever believed you for before. I want to see the blind eyes open. I want to see the deaf ears unstopped. I want to see the dead raised to life again. And Lord, we've seen it lately. We've seen some major miracles. But we want to see more. Because there's more people that need it. There's more people that need it today, God. When I pray for my loved one, for my children, for my spouse, someone who's lost, I don't want to pray and think nothing's going to change. I want to pray believing they're going to be saved. You're going to save my husband. You're going to save my wife. You're going to save my child. I'm going to expect it when I pray it. You're going to save them, Lord. You're going to save them.